then Tracy D, and I want to welcome you to Sunday Morning Flow where we are delving into and exploring emotional and mental wellness through the lens of God's Word. Every Sunday I'm here sharing a devotional, a testimony, a wellness challenge for us to find our way back to the heart of God. If this is your first time, welcome. If you are listening to yet another episode, welcome back. My prayer is that Sunday Morning Flow becomes a space where you can see yourself as God sees you and fall back in love with who He is. A place where you can walk away with one thing that can encourage you for the week ahead. But before we move into today's devotion, let's just pause, give God some praise through prayer, and welcome His presence here today. So wherever you are, just close your eyes, just pause, and let's lift our hearts up heavenward. Dear Heavenly Father, we are so thankful for this day. We're thankful that you have brought us into this moment. We ask that you would kindly forgive us from all our sins. Please open up our hearts, open up our minds. Please speak to our hearts, speak to our situations, and allow your Holy Spirit to flow within this pod. I want to thank you for the person who is listening. I want to thank you what you are doing in their life. And I want to thank you for what you will continue to do in their life. I also want to thank you for using me, dear Heavenly Father. You know I'm not perfect, but I am yours. And I really hope that whatever is said here today may draw us closer into your presence. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Today, I want us to focus on Hagar for a bit. I did not intend to speak on Hagar, but God gave me multiple confirmations this week that I should. Earlier this week, the phrase, I am the God who sees you came to mind. Then I was listening to a sermon just around Wednesday or Thursday that spoke about Ruth and how she would have served Boaz and how God positioned Ruth to serve Boaz because he saw Boaz's situation and as well as he saw Ruth's situation. And again, the phrase, I am the God who sees came to mind. Then I was browsing through my WhatsApp on Friday evening and I saw someone's status that said something to the effect of God sees you and he cares. And immediately the story of Hagar came to mind and I knew that's what I had to speak on today. I would have shared earlier that I'm a planner. I'm strategic and I always have a plan and I love to be organized. Partly to manage my anxiety and partly because it feels good to be organized, quite frankly. So for my nonprofit, Be Well and Bloom, I have my social media posts for the first half of the year. They're already scheduled. If I had my way, I would have topics for this pod already outlined by the quarter. But when God placed this you know, idea and returning to this pod on my heart, I felt strongly in the moment that it is an act of faith and obedience and he would provide the topics and the angles and so far he has been doing just that. I find it so funny that God is just connecting the devotions together every single week and I am incredibly grateful for that. And so my prayer is that you will be stirred by one thing that is shared today knowing that God has specifically placed it on my heart. He has given me multiple confirmations to bring it before you. And I hope that what is shared can be carried with you throughout the week. All right, so let's dive in. I want you to spend some time today reading Genesis 16, 1 to 16. Genesis 16, 1 to 16. And I want to pause here and say sometimes we're listening to pods or we're browsing through social media and we see things that are quoted in scripture or we hear stories about the Bible, but we do not delve into the word ourselves. We take the word that is shared by someone who is obeying God or someone who is speaking about the Bible and God and his word for what it is. 
I want you to know that whenever you are listening to this pod or you're reading or devotion, you in your intimate moment, I want you to go back and read the scripture for yourself. What God has revealed to me is what I'm going to share with you. However, God is so great. He is going to reveal to you fresh and new ideas or reminders that I may not cover within this pod or within the newsletter. So I want you to today go back and read the scripture for yourself, Genesis 16, 1 to 16. And in that scripture, we find that Hagar, she was an Egyptian servant who worked with Sarah. We would have covered Sarah in our last pod. And Sarah decided to have a child by asking her husband to sleep with Hagar. Now, Sarah reminds me of those women. They are head on. I am going to do what I have to do to get what I need to get. I love that. And she did just that. She saw that there was a maid in their house. They wanted a child. All right, let's do this. Husband sleepeth Hagar. And I want us to fully appreciate the culture of that time so that we can appreciate what was truly happening. In those times, if you worked as a household servant, it wasn't like slavery as we know it now or slavery as we knew in the 17th or 18th century. Slaves actually lived well with their masters and they were often treated like family. So when we read this scripture, I want you to appreciate that Hagar was treated like family. Hagar was treated relatively well um, when she lived with Sarah and when she lived with Abraham. And they could have decided to leave at any time for that was their right. And so we see Hagar who became a part of Sarah and Abraham's life doing as her master Sarah would have asked. The Bible tells us that Sarah was old. She was in that geriatric pregnancy category. And here was Hagar, young, she was bouncing, she was fertile, love that. Um, and so she did what her master Sarah would have asked her to do. She slept with Abraham and she bore a child. Now, when Hagar became pregnant, she began tormenting and teasing Sarah. Maybe with her words, we don't know. Maybe with, you know, some looks. Maybe she even rubbed her belly in front of Sarah's face. And Sarah then began mistreating pregnant Hagar to the point where Hagar felt like she had to run away to the desert. And while there, the Bible tells us that the angel of the Lord found Hagar. And this is found in Genesis 16 and verse 7. And I love this because in this moment where Hagar said, I'll choose death over, you know, mistreatment, over neglect, over torment, God met her and he spoke to her. And the Bible reveals that when God spoke to Hagar, he mentioned her name. He called her by her name. And that's important because up until this point, the name of Hagar was not mentioned in the Bible. All we know is that she was referred to as the maid. But God looked upon her as a person. God knew her name and he directly referred to her by her name. And he spoke gently to her. And she told him straight up, you know, God, I am fleeing Sarah because God asked her, what are you doing here? And her response was, God, I'm fleeing Sarah. I'm fleeing my master. And in Genesis 16, 9, the angel of the Lord said to her, return to your mistress and submit yourself under her hand. If you're listening to this, you know that this was not the advice that Hagar wanted to hear. The treatment she had received from Sarah was horrible. It was terrible. 
And the last thing she wanted to do was to go back. That is why she chose to run away to the desert. The last thing she wanted to do was to submit herself to such inhumane treatment. But that is what God told her to do. And God did not leave her empty-handed. He made a promise to her. In Genesis 16.10, the angel of the Lord said to her, I will multiply your descendants exceedingly so that they shall not be counted for multitude. And from Hagar will come a multitude of descendants. And Genesis 16.11 goes on to say, And the angel of the Lord said to her, Behold, you are with child and you shall bear a son. Ye shall call his name Ishmael, because the Lord has heard your affliction. To this blessing, Hagar responded in Genesis 16, 13-14, Lord, you are the God who sees. For she said, Have I also here seen him who sees me? It's a lot to unpack here. Friend, I understand Hagar's urge to run away when she was dealing with her tough situation. I have felt many times to run away emotionally, and I'm sure you have felt many times to run away as well. Whether it is relocating, whether it is moving away, whether it is walking away, whether it is escaping, whether it is shutting the door to the relationship or on the opportunity, it just seems like the best thing to do when going through a really tough time. And I get it, because we all cope differently. When we, like Hagar, run away from the places that hurt us, it's truly not addressing the issue head-on, but it's a form of escapism that doesn't propel us into healing. And if you are aware, escapism is just another way of coping, and escaping and avoidance is nothing new to us. At the most basic level, escapism is our effort to evade ourselves, to evade our beliefs, to evade or to not address an immediate reality that is tough, that is challenging. And the psychology of escapism takes into account, you know, that the desire to escape is just a simple response for a lot of us to stress, to trauma to danger, to adversity, but it is also a calculated response to emotional survival. So many of us over the years, we have developed this habit of literally running away from tough situations, from adversity, from challenging moments, challenging seasons, because it's the only way we know how to emotionally survive. And so we don't want to face the tough things, so we distract ourselves or escape through different actions, be it through work, be it through gaming, be it through sex, be it through, through relationships, be it through events. But here is the thing. Some things we just can't ignore. There are some things we just can't escape. Sometimes we have to address the situation for what it is. Sometimes we have to address our low self-esteem that is causing us to self-sabotage or push away good people in our lives. Sometimes we have to address our sexual or relational trauma that is affecting our intimate relationships. Sometimes we have to address our feelings and thoughts around a traumatic experience and process it before we can move into a healthier headspace or a healthier physical space or situation. We can't always run. And when we continue to run, we have to at some point face the truth. 
my mind immediately goes to persons who they're running from their problems, they're trying to escape their mindset, they're running from themselves, they're distracting themselves out of pausing and, and processing and getting the healing that they deserve all their lives. And then they find themselves on their deathbed where they can't move, they can't distract themselves, they can't do anything to try to escape the truth of the situation about their lives, their thoughts, the actions that they did. And they have to face it in a very tough moment when they're on their deathbed and they come to that realization in that moment. And by that time, they would have done so much damage over the years. They would have burned so many bridges. They would have caused trauma within so many persons' lives simply because they did not want to pause and process and face difficult situations and difficult truths. Sometimes we do have to address the situation while we have time, while we have life, while we're in good health. So we can't always keep running from the things that hurt us or our past. We must come to a place where we can pause, where we can return to that moment and process that which hurt us. This situation is not always a physical return. I don't want you to think that, oh, Dentrisi is saying, when I leave a toxic relationship or when I leave a toxic workplace or when I leave a toxic family dynamic, that I must return to that place physically. Absolutely not. But rather, we must return to that place emotionally to sit with what was done, to grieve what was said, to grieve what was done, to grieve what we thought would be, to grieve what wasn't, and to reach a place of acceptance where we can take the lessons and we can move on. And I love that God still took care of Hagar while she ran into the desert. And he spoke to her. He spoke to her not only by calling her name in that moment, but he made a promise to her, almost giving her a new found hope. And he does the same for us. While we are processing and unpacking our trauma, while we are doing the deep work of healing through you know, mental health support or through deep self-care work or through community, while we are coming around to what happened and the options that are before us, God cares for us and he cares for us in a practical way. He speaks to us and he sends people in our lives to encourage us. How many of us when we go through a situation, you know, we are browsing through social media and we see like someone just posting a word that speaks to our situation. God positioned you and he placed that post in your way for you to see that to encourage you. He gives us reminders every single day, moment by moment, that suggests that he sees, that he knows, and that he cares. And he gives us peace and he gives us clarity. Sometimes we may not be surrounded by persons who may speak to us in an encouraging way or they may not encourage us as we would like. God may place on their heart to encourage you but they might disobey and not do it anyway. But God uses even nature to tell us that he cares for us while we are healing, while we are confused, while we are going through a tough situation. So I want to reinforce that it is normal to want to avoid thinking about traumatic events. Sometimes it's tough. Our minds don't want to deal with the pain and the anxiety. And so we avoid it at all costs. But not leaving the house, sleeping in all day, isolating ourselves, using substances to escape. They're truly not healthy ways to cope over time. 
And though avoidance, it is normal, too much of that type of escapism and avoidance can prolong our stress or trauma and it can get in the way of us healing. So I want you to know that it is okay to deal with stressful situations and cope with difficult things. You have the capacity and the power. And we say it all the time, but we consciously and intentionally have to remind ourselves so that it becomes lodged in our subconscious and it rewires the negative limiting beliefs that we have been operating from for a very long time. And so reminding ourselves of this fact may sound like repeating to ourselves, I have the capacity to deal with stressful situations and cope with difficult things. I have the power to deal with stressful situations and cope with difficult things. God is with me as I deal with stressful situations and cope with difficult things. So whatever variation of that affirmation, I want you to repeat it to yourself this week. I have the capacity to deal with stressful situations and cope with difficult things. I have the power to deal with stressful situations and cope with difficult things. God is with me as I deal with stressful situations and cope with difficult things. Another point I want us to consider is that God knows us by our name. We are reminded of this with the scripture that says, Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by my name. You are mine. And that is found in Isaiah 43 and verse 1. That powerful promise confirms that God knows us by our name. He knows us beyond the labels that have been placed on us. He knows us even when we don't know or appreciate who we are. God addressed Hagar by name because even though she was a maid, he saw her as a person of value. God sees us as people of value, regardless of our education, regardless of our social standing, regardless of what others say about us, regardless of our present day situation. He knows the depths of our hearts. He knows our inclinations. He knows our darkness. Still, he sees us as a person of worth and a person of value. I think it's just so humbling to know that the God who knows it all, the God who created this universe and all the other universes out there, he sees us as people of value. You are worthy not because of your education, but because of who God is. You are worthy not because of your partnership, but because of who God is. You are worthy not because of your resilience, but because of who God is. You are worthy not because of your financial standing, but because of who God is. You are worthy not because of your family or your associations, but you are because of who God is. Because God is. I want to end today's pod by reminding you that Hagar also responded to God. She called the name of the Lord who spoke to her, You are the God who sees me. She said, Have I also here seen him? Who sees me. And we've seen over the past few weeks that God not only speaks to us, He not only addresses our questions, our confusion, or vulnerability, but we also have to respond to God, to respond to what He has shared to us. So sometimes it takes a really tough situation for us to see God for who He is, for us to see who God really is for ourselves. 
We can read about him all day. We can hear about him all we want. We can listen to testimonies all we want. We can listen to inspiring preachers all we want. We can listen to pods all we want. But everything shifts when we experience a part of him for ourselves. And I love to call those godly encounters. And there are simply moments that where we are in a situation where we see God for ourselves. There are moments that do more for us than a sermon or a devotion would. There are moments that no one else can have but us. And a lot of us, we can speak on the scriptures, we can argue well for God, we do our best to try to present him in an exciting and appealing way. A lot of us, we can break down the doctrines really well, we can compare scripture to scripture, we understand the culture of the Bible. A lot of us have intellectualized faith, but we don't have experiential faith faith that comes from God being a very personal God to us. Friend, I want you to know that nothing compares to a personal encounter with God and nothing can substitute for it. So in all of our encounters like Hagar, we have to walk away with an answer to these three questions. Who is this God who revealed himself to me? Is he the God who sees? Is he the God who provides? Is he the God who heals? Is he the God who answers? Is he the God who changes situations? Is he the God who cares? We also have to ask ourselves and answer this question, what did he reveal to me and what am I going to do with what he has revealed to me? I want you to think about a time where God showed up for you, where he revealed himself to you. And I want you to think about the response to that situation and think, who is this God who revealed himself to me? Was he the God who sees? Was he the God who provides? Was he the God who cares? What did he reveal to me? And what am I going to do with what he revealed to me? Happy Sunday, friend. May God continue to flow through you today.